Thank you for tuning in to Church on the Rock podcast. We have a great sermon in store for you. We hope this message challenges you, builds you, and motivates you into taking the next step in your purpose with God. Enjoy the sermon. Father, we thank you for tonight. Let it be all that you want it to be. Make my tongue as the pen of a ready writer. Write it into the tables of our heart. Bring revelation to people that they need to know not just what I'm saying, but what the Holy Ghost would say to each person. We thank you for these gifts. Every one of them is special. Every one of them is supernatural. We need them. They've never went away. They've always been here for those of us who believe your Bible. And we thank you for every gift that is in us. Thank you for the power in us. Thank you for the power on us tonight to receive this and to minister by the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Wow. Thank you, Pastor Keith. You know, if I ever need to lift it up, I call Pastor Keith. Yeah, he knows how to help me. I don't tell him I'm discouraged or anything. I don't mean it like that, but, you know, he just knows how to really help me a lot, and... Uh, I appreciate that about him. Don't let all these papers fool you. We're going to get to whatever we get to. But now I wanted to say something about my spiritual father. He's in heaven now, and this was the newsletter he sent me. I, w- I kept all those things that he sent because they were important to me. And he put this out July 16, 2013, and he went home August, September, October, three months later. And he says in there, Uh, We have many meetings planned for the coming year, both in the U.S. and internationally. I have some meetings planned for overseas a little bit and, uh, and the U.S., of course. And he says, together we will fulfill our part in the next move of God, the revival of the gifts of the Spirit. See, he went home. So, you know, that was uh, nine years ago or so. I don't know, something like that. And... uh, you know, but I think we're starting to walk in some of this. Yeah, and and so you know we've we've studied this. We want to share with you tonight. Let's go to First Corinthians chapter twelve again, our foundation scripture. I'm going to share a lot of other testimonies in with this. I hope that's okay. That's just the way God uses me anymore. I used to not uh, have as many as stories that I have today, but I think people get something out of the stories. So. Yeah, so I think that's important. And I, I laid down to take a nap, couldn't sleep. I was all wound up about coming tonight. And the Lord gave me four or five, and I've got six more in my head besides those. But were discerning of spirits really allowed me to help some people. And I'll tell about their story in just a minute. But let's read verse 1, 1 Corinthians 12 and 1. I just want to put in remembrance now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren and sistren. I would not have you ignorant. So here's an area where God says, I don't want you to be uninformed or ignorant of these things. And yet the body of Christ is just, you know, as a whole, it seems like, you know, maybe they don't know very much about it. And even the churches, you know, we need to, you need to have in your church, maybe beyond just tongues and interpretation, but whatever God has in you. And let me just say something off the cuff here. If you're going to move in the Holy Ghost, you're going to have to pay attention not just to me tonight. It, it isn't going to, you're not going to be a miracle worker by Tuesday. I've been in this 50 years saved. And I've been in full-time ministry. It's my 45th year. And uh, I've learned a few things. I learned some things I shouldn't do and learned a lot of things I needed to do and corrected myself or took God's correction or both. And you're going to have to pay attention. You're going to have to get serious about the gifts of the Spirit. Now, you've got to separate out in your mind one, in one sense, you know, we're unique as fivefold ministers. You know, we're at the, on the platform, we're teaching people. That's my job in the body of Christ, you want to call it that. It's my calling, but it's still a job. I treat it, I'm respectful towards it, my office. How many know what I'm saying? But even as a sheep in a good local church like this, you have responsibility too. And you may be used in any of the things I'm mentioning about myself, but you aren't used consistently unless that's anointings on you to do that. So, and, and, you know, we should press to know all that we can know, but don't try to enter into something you're not anointed to do because it'll bring confusion to people. 
You know, I very seldom prophesy to people unless God tells me to. Because that's dangerous stuff to get into. I've seen a lot of people go shipwreck because somebody wanted to act like a big shot. Either in the back room or in the pulpit or whatever, you know, and just nothing but hot air. And I carry all my prophecies with me here that I believed in, the ones that gave it to me, Dr. Dufresne, Pastor Nancy. But, you know, a lot of people said things to me and I just had to let it be dismissed because it wasn't God. I didn't try to straighten them out at that moment or anything, you know, just talking to you. So you've got to start to having a desire for these things, a hunger for these things. And prayer is going to help you to some, some level, but you're going to have to study it. And then you're going to have to get more personal with your relationship with Jesus. You know, I'm going to say this as sweetly as I can. Jesus is not a deaf mute. And the Holy Ghost is not that way. If you'll talk to them and you'll listen, if you have an ear to hear it, now if you're going to just play with it then, and he realizes you're shucking and jiving, he's probably not going to tell you much because you're not paying attention. Yeah. I'm not accusing people of that, but I'd like you to hear the whole thing, what I'm saying. These are precious things that only God can give us. Man can't give these to another man. I can confirm things sometimes in some people's life that I see in them that will come to pass in due season if they give themselves to it. But that's the key right there, giving yourself to it. So I don't know everything about any subject. I know a little more than the average Joe about deliverance and angels and healing and these things I'm talking about. But still yet, I don't know everything about any of those subjects, even the ones I've studied the most. So just remember this, now concerning spiritual gifts people, I would not have you ignorant. So the more we study it and believe it and act on it and talk to the Father about it, the more He'll reveal of these things to us. Okay. Now let's read verses 7, 7 through 11 here. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge, by the same Spirit, to another faith, or it should read special faith by the same Spirit. To another the gifts, it should read gifts of healings, it is in the original Greek, by the same Spirit. And to another the working of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another discerning of spirits. That's what I'm going to talk to you about tonight. And to another diverse kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally, as he will. Now that word severally just it really translates it's not severally like you think God gives you several gifts. He could do that and I think some of us have that in our mantles if we qualify for that. But really the word severally is the word individually. He gives to individually people as he wills. So you have to talk to God you know to ask him if there's something in you that you're missing about the gifts of the Spirit. Now really I'm going to say this to you I do more in my prayer life with these things than I ever do publicly. You know, and it takes time to learn how to do that. We just don't what we do. And it could work for your personal life too, of course. Then I want you to look at verse 18 here. But now hath God set the members, how many? Yeah, but what does the next two words say? Everyone of them in the body as it has pleased him. That's the key too. You have to fit where God puts you because He's pleased with that. And sometimes it's a stretch for us. How many know what I'm saying? How many know, I don't think many of you know this, but going from a pastor to a prophet is a major switch. <laughs> yeah. And I struggled with it for quite a few years. But it finally caught up with me and I'm glad it did. And the Lord told me, see, He talks to me and He said, if you don't turn your church over to your son right now, in two years you'll be dead. I said, I'll do that. I was waiting for him maybe to get a little more in him. He said, I can catch him up, but you're not going to catch up. You need to do it immediately. So I set him in front of the church as our pastor. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Did God really tell you that? You know, you go to hell for lying too. I'd like to tell you that. I don't know why that seems so strange. God warns us about things to come if we're not going to obey Him. I would have already been in heaven. But we're talking about these gifts. 
We, we also mentioned 1 Corinthians 14, 1, just to go over some things. Follow after charity or love and desire spiritual gifts. So here it says, don't be ignorant, and there it says, desire them. So I don't know what people are doing while we don't have more of these things. Okay, now let me give you another translation of this verse 1 here. Set your heart on the gifts of the Spirit. Still keep cultivating your spiritual gifts. And here's another one. Make spiritual gifts your aspiration. Now, if God doesn't use you, like one guy in my church, it's kind of funny to tell it. I mean, I don't know why he didn't get it. He said, you know, doctor, I'm, I'm, I'm called to pray for people's backs. I said, really? I didn't know that. I said, how many people you prayed for? 50. Any of them get anything? No. I said, that'll be simple. You're not anointed. <laughs> you know, I, just, I, was more, I was more nice to him. I'd like to say, why are you shooting your mouth off? You know, if you pray for 50 people and you think you have an anointing to deal with that, you didn't even get a twinge? Nobody you prayed for even got a zap, a zoom, or something? You're not anointed to do that. You might be anointed to do a lot of other things, but not that. Why would you think you're anointed after 50 strikeouts? That's just the way humans are. They're just out, out, out they're the la-la land about spiritual things, in my opinion, a lot of times. Not all of them, but a lot of them are. So we need to talk about this gift tonight. First of all, all the gifts are supernatural, every one of them. And all of the gifts have an important uh, function in the body of Christ. Now this is called, this particular gift is called discerning of spirits, plural, because you would see, like I do, we could see into the spirit world and see angels. Maybe, maybe before I leave here I'll talk about some of the visions. I'm going to tell you some incidents that happened with me where I discerned spirits in people or around them. And, uh, and then it says angels, demons, and also sometimes into the human spirit. That's very rare, but I've had it happen once or twice. Because that's usually private for God and the person. But, you know, trying to save somebody's life, I might have said something to somebody once or twice. All right. So we just need to understand that. It has nothing to do with your mind. It has to do with the spirit within you and whatever God's put in you. But it's called the discerning of spirits. Okay. Now, I want to, uh, I think I want to talk to you for a minute about Julie. This was a lady in my church. That's not a real name to protect the guilty. <laughs> and I was praying deliverance over her and about 10 other people. Uh, Dale was with me, and I think I had one, of, one or two of my ladies that I considered to be spiritual. This was way back in Otisco, 1978, my second church I pastored. And uh, I'm going to call her Julie, and, and I said, come out of her. And that thing came out, that spirit came out, walked about three foot, turned around, looked at me, looked back at her, and went right back into her. And I said, Julie, you got a problem. No, I don't. Yes, you do. Now, listen. Either you're going to be honest with me or just go on home. Take your Bible and go on home and keep your devil because I haven't got time to play with you with it. Do you really talk like that? Yeah, I really talk. Why would I let some, one person manipulate the whole thing when I got eight or ten people waiting for me to pray for them? If you're not going to be honest, just go home and come back later at church with your devil if you want. And she said, well, well maybe I do. I said, it's not Maybe. I saw the thing come out and he went right back into you. He came out because I commanded him to, but he turned around and he still had a door open and he went right back into you. I saw that with my eyes like I'm seeing Caleb right here in the front row. That's discerning of spirits. So I said, well, do you want to keep your devil or do you want me to pray with you to forgive your husband? I first, then she said to my husband, I said, well, is he beating you? Has he become a pervert? Does he beat you up? Ask you to do ungodly stuff? No. Well, then what's your problem? You're going to keep that devil if you don't repent of it right now. And I'm not going to say this three more times. Either pray with me or go home. I mean, you can have your devil if you want. You can have devils if you want them, but I don't want them. But you know, she tried to keep a good front for a few minutes there. And I said, you're lying sure enough. I saw that thing come out of you and go right back in. And there had to be an opening for that or he couldn't come into you. And I said, I pray this with me. Father, Father, I forgive my husband. I forgive my, in Jesus' name. Amen. And when I said amen, that spirit went and he just kept on going. Amen. 
I didn't have to say come out again. He already had my faith on the command. But because she kept the door open, he had entrance back into her. And really, you know, Bible teaches that about unforgiveness. And it talks about the devil taking advantage of us if we don't know that. So I'm just going to say this one time. You need to forgive everybody of everything right now. And keep forgiving. I didn't say they deserve to be forgiven. I just said you need to forgive them. You know, I learned that and I said, Father, I forget for all the hiccups in my life in the past and all the goofball people I'm going to meet in the future. <laughs> I really did. I said, I already forgive them before I get to them. Yeah. You know, because sometimes people will frustrate you yeah. if you let them, but I don't do that anymore. All right. So anyway, that was quite a, quite a moment. She got delivered just like that. Then we went on with the rest of them. But you know, sometimes people defend their turf, you know, but if you're resentful, you're bitter, you're hateful. I mean, I was a pastor for 35 years. I had people in my church been on their second marriage or their third marriage, and they still hated their first husband and their first wife. <laughs> and of course, I taught publicly, why would you bring all that baggage into some other person that you're going to marry now when you didn't forgive the first one? You're in trouble, brother and sister. All right. So then I had another time. This is kind of interesting, I think. I was having a men's prayer meeting in Otisco. Had about 10 men praying with me at the church on a, like a Tuesday night or a Thursday night. And a lady in my church, she bust through the, back, the front door. We just had a door and it opened up a miniature foyer. It was about half as big as this platform. And she opened through the door open and said, I need help, Pastor. I said, well, I'm in a men's prayer meeting. What kind of help do you need and what for? Well, when you were preaching Sunday morning, I wanted to stand up and cuss you out. I said, well, you definitely need help. Come on in. <laughs> True story. And uh, so she came in and sat on the front pew, and I prayed for her, and Jesus didn't come out. And I waited a minute, and she got up like she was going to leave, and uh, she started around that aisle right there. And I said, you're not even delivered, sister. Well, I am too. So I said, what I need to do now, Father? He said, pray in tongues. Watch what she does. She started running for the front door. And there was two men back there. I said, loop her. Bring her back. Sit her down. Then I said to her, lady, listen, I will help you figure this out if you're going to be sincere. And if you don't, you can keep your devil and just go on out. Just don't stand up and cuss me out on Sunday. And uh, I said, you're not any more delivered the first time I prayed for you than you were before I prayed for you because you got some issues. So she's kind of sitting there where, where Bradford's sitting, and I sat down on the first step. I only had one step on our platform, too, and I started praying in tongues. I said, watch her. Don't let her run off. And I prayed for maybe five minutes in spirit, and I said, this is what the problem is. You had an abortion 25 years ago. You murdered your own baby. Oh, my God, she broke forth crying. Oh, yeah, how did you know that? I said, God, just show me, and that's your issue. You never took forgiveness for that. And all this bitterness was in her. She's married, got three kids now, and I said, your husband don't know anything about it, neither do your children. Am I right? Yeah. What, do you want to be delivered or not? Yeah, and I prayed for her. Then she got delivered and became a normal Christian lady in our church. People tell you they want to stand up and cuss you out. That's not a good sheep right then. <laughs> All right. Let's go over here to Hebrews a minute, chapter 5. I want to deal with a part of this. It's a little different teaching, but I think you'll get something out of it. And that is general discernment. Not the gift of discerning of spirits. All these are gifts that are given by God at His, at His pleasure and His discretion. And that gift has just operated through my life, that and the word of knowledge, probably more predominantly than the rest of them, other than the healing anointings in my life now. That's up on the front burner. But, but anyway, all these many years. But I want to talk to you about just general discernment. You know, people need discernment. And discernment means this, a clear discrimination of things that are happening. 
You know, for example, I, I had a young lady in my church, and I said, I heard you, you're dating somebody. Yeah, I said, why don't you bring him to church? He don't want to come. I said, are you serious about him? She said, yeah, and I said, I wouldn't be serious if he won't come to church with you. You know what her response was? This is what she said to me. This, you wouldn't believe a human would talk like this. He's a good kisser. <laughs> and I said right back to her, honey, you can teach anybody to kiss. I want to know if he'd take care of you. Get a brain, girl. Yeah. She had no discernment. Most people don't, in my opinion. And this comes in with you following God on the little things. You know when I told you Tawana, the Indian, the white lady that had an Indian name, how I slugged her in the stomach? She would have never got delivered that night unless I'd obeyed God. So you want to be in the ministry, huh? Well, be careful who you slug. You just got to be sure that you know what you're doing. I mean, if it wasn't for real, she could have had a rib cracked and her marine husband beat me up in the parking lot. He was a good friend of mine, but still, you don't hit his wife. But she got delivered. Okay. Talking about, I wanted to read this to you because this will, this will probably, for most of us, it should feed our spirit to want to mature, to have better discernment. I, I'm just putting this in for everybody's teaching because it's not a gift. It's something you've got to work on personally. You're discerning of people. <laughs> I mean, God has always warned me about people in my church when they came. And I had a code word for my staff. I said, that couple are Paul. People are weird. <laughs> you keep your eye on those people, and, and maybe they'll repent and get it together, but if they don't, I'm going to hear about it. You think I'm teasing? I'm not. Sometimes people are just Paul people. People are weird. They're just weird. And sometimes you teach the best you can teach. I'm not a bad teacher. I'm a good teacher. But what I'm saying is they never got it. They didn't pay attention. It doesn't matter whether you take notes either. It's a matter whether you pay attention. And you have a personal development with Jesus that should be increasing in your intimacy with him to know him real well. Okay, so I'm just going to read this and I'm going to move on to the gift again back and forth. But I wanted to share this. Uh, Hebrews 5, verse 11 through 14. Paul's, I believe Paul's the author of this. Whoever you believe doesn't matter, it's in the Bible. Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. So Paul said as a speaker to the congregation, the Hebrews, uh, he couldn't get some things out because they were not sharp in their hearing. You know, Jesus said, I, I have many things to say, but I can't say it now because you don't understand it. And I try to be cautious with how far I can take people in any given situation. For when you, for the time, look at this, verse 12, you ought to be teachers. You have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. He's saying you should have grown up, you're in fifth grade, you're acting like a preschooler. You ought to have been able to teach others by now, but you just piddled around, fooled around, goofball stuff. I'm not mad at you, but if the shoe fits, wear it. I hope you get stirred up, you're going to start wanting to mature. And I'm talking to me too. And you're become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he's a baby. But strong meat, you could be, you could be 73 and be a baby. <laughs> you know, or 49. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. That, that, I'm giving you this passage because it says ought to mature to begin to discern what is good or evil. And nothing about the gift of discerning of spirits in that passage. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about general discernment. The whole body of Christ should have good discernment on what they do, what they do about what, what you do about everything. <laughs> how you spend your money, how you live, you know, how you live with, if you're in a family, how you live in that family. All right. So I just, I'm going to let it go with that first. Let me get you one more scripture along that line to prove what I'm saying. It's in uh, 1 Corinthians 11. Go back with me for just a second. Hallelujah. 
1 Corinthians 11, I think it's verse 19. And it's kind of a contrast here between two different... It says, for there must be also heresies among you. You know, heresies are false doctrines. That they which be approved may be made manifest among you. In other words, you ought to know who you could listen to and who you shouldn't listen to. Simply put. Anyway, so we're talking about having discernment. Having discernment about where to go to church, having discernment. And if you're single, before you get married, you should pray about that and know for a fact that that's the right person for you. Or if you're divorced and you're thinking you might want to be married again, you need to think about, have I got all the stuff out of my life that caused the first marriage not to work well? Yeah, I'm just trying to help you. You're going to have to train yourself to be led by the Spirit. The Spirit will lead you if you let Him. But if He tells you to do this or don't do that, then you need to do that or not do that, whatever He's telling you to do. And He will help you. He's not mean about it either. All right. So I'm going to go back to the gift here. And i got some other things here. I, I think I've told this story before, but it bears witness. I was in Mexico. I was in Guadalajara. Not with Mike Rabel, but another pastor there. Aaron Cole, I don't know how many years ago that's been in his church in Guadalajara. And uh, we, were, we were having a meeting. We were during the, the ministry time, and all of a sudden I, I stopped, and there's a guy coming down the center aisle towards me. And I looked at him, and I just knew he was full of evil. I just knew it, just instantly. And I didn't see anything, but I knew something down here. See, I operate in word of knowledge, which means down here I might know something because of what God's telling me. But if I saw something, that would be discerning a spirit or a combination of the two. But if you're going to operate discerning, that means you're looking into the realm of the spirit. But I knew he was full of evil. And he started barking and growling like a, like a junkyard dog. If I didn't have faith, he'd have made my hair stand up on my arms. And he started gaining momentum. He's still 15 feet away from me. I said, shut up. Stop. And he took one more step and he froze. <laughs> he just froze like a statue like that. And all of a sudden, all this foam came out of his mouth. It's like when he got done, he was in a trance. And when he got done, there was a puddle of uh, saliva, spit, I don't know. It looked like you spill water on the floor and you throw an Elka-Seltzer on it. It looked like it was living. I walked back to him. I got right next to him and he... He goes, where am I at? You're at church and you need Jesus. Give me your hand. And I prayed a little prayer with him and he got saved that night. Now, I don't know who he is. It's interesting. I thought I'd throw this at you a little bit. He doesn't speak English, but the devil knew what I meant. I, I cast out devils in Siberia. They speak Russian there. They don't know English. And in Peru... And all over Honduras and other coast, Costa, Costa Rica and other places I've traveled over the years. So anyway, I'm, that was on a Saturday night. And so I'm back preaching Sunday morning. And I notice over here, here's that guy I just prayed for last night. And there's a younger lady in the group too. And then an older man and woman. I, I don't know who they were for sure. And when I gave the invitation, all four of them came up. And the lady spoke first. And she said, and Pastor Aaron's right here interpreting are you the man, this is what she asked me, are you the man that cast that thing out of my son? I said, yes, yes, ma'am, I am. I'd like to tell you a story. I said, I'd like to hear it. So she said, well, we had to put him out of our home. This is our daughter. He was so violent. He was so schizophrenic. He was so bizarre. We felt he would, he would kill us in our sleep. And we changed all the locks on our home. We had to put him out. He just was too... He wouldn't be contained. He was just wild like an animal. And said he came home last night. This is his mother. Mom, Dad, let me in. I don't mind telling you this story. I know most of you have heard it, but you need to hear it again. There's probably some. How many of you have never heard it? Well, then you need to hear it. Mom, Dad, let me in. I, I swear to God I'm different. And she said, me and my husband were on this side of the door inside the house talking about, well, he's lied to us a hundred times before. What makes us think he's going to be different if he comes in now? But she said he was just so persistent. Mom, Dad, let me in. 
she started to cry on the porch. And she said, my husband and I decided we'll give it a try, see what happens. We opened the door, he came in. He fell on the couch, he began to weep like a baby, and he said, I don't even know what happened to me other than I ended up in a church service. I don't even know how I got there. And this American preacher, he speaks English, he led me to Jesus, and Jesus is my Savior. And he said, then we stayed up the rest of the night crying with him and rejoicing that our son that was a lunatic has really come home. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just love to tell that story because it's so real. And from what she said, how he was, I, that's what I felt when he started down. I wasn't afraid of him that he's going to hurt me, but I knew he was full of evil. I mean, some people I know just are evil around the edges, but I knew this guy was so saturated in it. Just knew it by the Spirit, I guess, because I didn't see anything like him. Hallelujah. So we're talking about discerning of spirits tonight. It's a wonderful gift. Let me say some basic things, then I'll tell you a little more about a couple other stories here. Uh, this is a gift of the Holy Ghost. It's very important. And every appearance or dream or vision or the operation of these uh, discerning of spirits could be evil or good could be angelic or demonic or could be the human spirit sometimes you have to have the word of god for these things what i mean is you need to try out what you're doing is there any references in the bible that would indicate that are you with me yeah and so so we need to put it up against the word and the definition for the discerning of spirits is a supernatural insight into the realm of spirits both good and bad good and evil angels demons and as i already said sometimes the human spirit and so we just need to realize that are you listening Let, let's go over here to the book of acts a minute chapter um, chapter 8 and look at this passage uh Verse 20 through 23, this is Peter, he's dealing with somebody, and the guy says, I'll give you money if you give me this power so I can lay hands on people and they be filled with the Holy Ghost. You know something's wrong with somebody who thinks you can buy God <laughs> or buy these gifts. So Peter said to him, thy money perish with you because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither lot nor part in this matter for your heart's not right in the sight of God repent therefore of this thy wickedness and pray God if peradventure the thought of your heart may be forgiven you for I perceive see he's perceiving this guy he's seeing something there he's perceiving it either word of knowledge or just what he's perceiving that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bondage of iniquity or the bondage of sin you see what I'm saying? So, but he saw that and tried to correct this guy to get corrected. I don't know if he ever did or not for sure, but that's what he told him. You can get in all kinds of stuff by the devil doing stuff. Now let's go over here to Acts a minute, chapter 16. Look at this passage. This is kind of interesting. Talking about discerning of spirits here. Uh, Acts 16, verse 16. And it came to pass as we went to prayer... A certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination, we would just call that fortune-telling, occultic practices, tarot card readings, or whatever you want to call it. There's a lot in that occultic world. You need to stay away from it. You know, I had some books that I carried with me from Ohio uh, back when I was a drug addict down to seminary. Not, not to, I don't know, they just got put in a box, and when I got to my apartment, I put them up on a shelf, and the Lord dealt with me about that in seminary that I shouldn't have any books in my library that deal with the occult unless it's exposing them. So I had two books like that that wasn't exposing, it was calling for you to get involved with it. And so I took it out on the back porch. My wife is the only living witness to this. I put uh, lighter fluid on it and set it on fire and it screamed. <laughs> on our back porch. This voice came out of nowhere. We looked at each other, my God, something was in that book. Anyway, so it says, uh, she brought her masters much gain by soothsaying, this girl, 
And the same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God. What's wrong with that? They are. So sometimes that's where deception can, you know, got to pay attention to people. They might say the right words, but their heart's not right. Which show unto us the way of salvation. And this she did many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And he came out the same hour, or one translation says, came out instantly. See, he didn't discern that at first. Because she's talking stuff that would be true about them. They were servants of God showing people the way of salvation. But it grated on him down here. I always realize if somebody grates on me, there's a definite problem. I mean, if I'm living for God and all that has to be true too, you know what I'm saying. Not, I'm, it's not a gift to be suspicious of people. And you be very careful about judging anybody because, you know, the Bible says you'll be judged for the same thing. And you may not be able to do as well as somebody else did that you criticized. We'll see how you do. You know, I'm just talking here. I'm not mad at anybody. So, so you could say the right thing, but then if something's grieving you, you need to figure that out. And Paul got a hold of it, and then he set her free. And that's just a wonderful, wonderful passage. There's so much here I could say. Let's go back to Luke chapter 13 a minute. I hope you're following me. And remember, these gifts operate as the Spirit wills. And I'm back in Luke 13. Is that what I said? That's where I'd like you to park a minute, and then we'll talk a little more about a couple things here. I remember I was at Pastor Owings Church, Pastor Mark, right here on the front row, him and Dona, up in Columbus, Indiana. And normally when... You know, I'm done preaching and I'm in churches. I usually leave the sanctuary because I'm done. <laughs> and, you know, I'd love to stay and chat with everybody, but unfortunately when I try to do that, all the Looney Tunes of that church come up and ask me something stupid. <laughs> now, I'm just being honest. You're, I'm not saying you're that way, but if we checked you all, you might be a little bit in some areas. <laughs> I just don't bull with people. I mean, no, I'm not kidding you or jogging you. I'm just telling you. So this lady had her daughter. Her daughter was about 20, I'd say, when this took place. Pastor Mark and Donna knew who I'm talking about. They're going to know in a minute. Uh, and she said, my daughter needs help. And so I said, well, what do you need, honey? And she said, well, I'm a heroin addict. All right. So I grabbed her around her head, and I said, come out of her. And that spirit left. But while I'm praying for that spirit, spirit to come out I looked down and in her belly I saw this other spirit and I said what's that there in your belly she said what do you mean what's in my put your hand right there now watch what happens I said that Jesus name come out I didn't say it with a lot of authority and it started rolling around under her hand she said my god what's that in me I said it's another devil and I winked at her and I said you know what that's from don't you you've been doing some immoral things and I'll pray for you that too. I'm going to put my hand over your hand. I'll command that thing to leave you. And it did. So she had two devils. One she got delivered from drugs. And one she got delivered from inappropriate behavior. Let's just let it go at that. I don't know everything about anybody. But I knew that was something drastically wrong. Hallelujah. So we were able to get her some help at least temporarily. Here's another thing. If you get delivered you've got to learn to walk it out. My book, if I brought those books, the deliverance books, it says what you need to do to walk it out. You need to pay attention to that. Now, listen, let me say something as a general understanding with everybody here. I'm not saying that people are inherently evil. And I'm not saying because you had a spirit in you or anybody that they uh, were saturated with evil, but unknowingly they may have opened themselves to something that they exposed themselves to begin to take up residence in them. And sometimes if people don't have dis, uh, the gift of discerning of spirits, you wouldn't know that just automatically. Are you listening to me? So we're not saying that everybody's evil, but we just realize there's so many people who have problems and they don't understand why. Here's a big one in our society. It was big 30 years ago when I was teaching it, or 40 years ago teaching on deliverance in 1978 that's 44 years ago <laughs> a lot of people get involved with another person sexually and that that's called a soul tie so and 
the way that works is God put it in a male and a female that once you are united and you have intercourse, there's chemicals that release in your brain that makes you committed to the person you're with. But our society has become just, uh, yeah, really perverted. I, that's an understatement. And uh, so now people, and I've had people, grown men that I know that said to me, could you pray for me about something that's private? I said, well, come aside and I'll talk to you about it. And I was with somebody in high school. I was with somebody in college and now, and I didn't marry him, and, but we were together. And uh, two people I'm thinking of said, I caught something from that person, a disease. They said, but you know, I'm married to this person now and I'm having thoughts about this other person. I said, well, you can get rid of that. I'll cast that out of you if you need it. I'll break the authority of that. That'll tear up your marriage you're in now. I'm just talking. That's not the only thing people get involved in, just all kinds of strangeness. Somebody said, how many devils are there? As much as there's weirdness in humans. You think I'm, I'm, I'm just hammering this, but I mean, I've been in this a long time. A lot of different people, a lot of different issues. So we need to do our best to live right, but sometimes not intentionally, but we didn't know that was wrong. Not just intercourse, but other things that people have done, paying the Ouija board. And that was another thing. See, a lady came to me with her daughter back years ago. I wasn't a pastor then. I was traveling, my first traveling adventure. Uh, and she said, my daughter went to a slumber party, and she came back. She's all messed up. And she said, I'd like you to pray deliverance over her. I said, well, I'm not the pastor here. I know him. You're going to have to ask the pastor, and I will check with him to confirm that you talked to him, that he gives me permission to minister to her. She's only 13 or 14. And secondly, I want this other lady I knew from that church. Her name was Judy Johnson. I want her with me because she's a spiritual lady, and I'd like to have her assistance in this. So we took her in a room and talked to her, and we prayed, cast the devil out of her, and she became normal again. But somebody had done something to her at that overnight sleep. My wife and I made a decision when our kids were young, we didn't let them stick, stay over with, even if they were church members. That didn't mean diddly squat to me. I don't know how people live in their home. I'm just talking to you, you know, you could call me weird, you can call me whatever, I could care less. I just write. I try to protect my children. All right. And then one time, I'm just thinking about some things here a minute. I, I had a big day at work, you know, at the church. I was the pastor then. It was 6 o'clock at night. I got there at 8 in the morning, worked all day long, worked on sermons, probably had a, a, you know, somebody in for counseling. You know, listen, if you learn to be led of the Spirit, a lot of the counseling you wouldn't need. 98% of it. And doing what your pastor teaches you every week. And you know the thing you don't like about a message that he's, he ministers? It's just the thing you need. <laughs> Learn to figure that out. Even me talking to you tonight, if you're getting resentful towards me, you got a problem. I'm not here to judge anybody. I'm here to help everybody if they want help. You're welcome. Now, I, anyway, I was thinking about this guy showed up at our church door, and it's 6 o'clock at night. The door was open. I don't remember why it was still open at 6, but he came in. He had on a, a, a motorcycle chain belt. I have one of those that a biker gave me one time. I don't have it on tonight. <laughs> It'll put her on you in a minute as a weapon. I'm telling you, it weighs about 10 pounds. And he had motorcycle boots on. He had a bandana, and he had one of those wallets with a chain way around, like dragging the back of his knee. And this is what he said, he's about 6'3". Anyway, my wife came and got me, said, there's a guy that looked like a biker in the foyer, he wants to talk to the pastor. I said, tell him to go away. <laughs> you ever had, a, you put a fork in and you're done? These pastors will agree with me, they know what that feels like. Had a big day at the office, uh, did about everything you could imagine. Now I got a guy that looks like a biker and he wants my help. I have no idea what he, who he is, what he wants, or what's his deal. And... I kind of make fun of Jesus on this one, just forgive me, because my wife left the office, and before she could get to the door to open it to tell him, he said, go on. The Lord says, you could help him if you wanted to. 
Oh, man, thanks. You know, talk about a guilt trip. I mean, he did that to me. Jesus is so slick. He just, of course, I forgave him, but... Because <laughs> what that meant for me to deal with another human being for a moment that looks like a biker. He said, are you, I went out and I said, I'm the pastor, what can I do for you? My, my sister's full of the devil, and I tried to cast a spirit out of her, and it scared the, and he used the word, out of me. I felt like saying, give me that bandana, you big baby. Take those boots off. Give me that chain belt. What's the matter with you, you little sissy? I know people think us pastors are just pansies, but not all of us are. So I said, where is your sister? She's out in the car. Well, go get her. <laughs> See, because he said, I, I came to you because of some reason. I don't know. Maybe the spirit direct. I said, where'd you go to church? Uh, let me think. I don't remember the name of it. Who's your pastor? He couldn't tell me that. He's just lying. <laughs> so go get your sister. So he, <laughs> this little old lady came in. It's so funny. She had her purse like this, and she walked like this. She came in, she looked at me, and she started growling like a dog, like that guy in Mexico had done. I've had him do that to me. You know, people don't normally growl and bark at me, but those people full of the devil do. And she was really, you know, she was really upset with me. And I grabbed her by the house, come out of her! She hit the floor, and she's out. And he goes, my God, you've killed her! <laughs> Jordan was there that day. He came down the hall and saw this girl growling at me and me saying, come out, and he went down the hall. <laughs> and my wife and my daughter were in the office with slatted, looking to see what's happening out there. Of course, he was just a young guy then. I think Jacob was with me. Jacob, my son-in-law, he was with me, stayed through that. But that biker guy, he said, my God, you've killed her, paid preacher. What? I said, she'll be back. She's okay. <laughs> Some of the funniest things happened. That's a true story. And then I said, you need to come back to church and get rooted and grounded in the Word. But, you know, I never saw them again. Bless their heart. So, where are we at here? We're over in Luke 13, I think. Let's talk about this a little bit here, and then we're going to pray for some people <clears throat> okay Luke 13 verse 10 let's start there Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath and behold there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity six, uh, 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself sometimes when you get ensnared by the enemy in the earlier stages you could free yourself up you could do that if you have your you know, authority you got to know your authority. I'd study authority if I was you. I don't care what else you study, but you need to study authority. I put a whole chapter in my deliverance book on authority of the believer and on my angel book on authority. Because I can tell you what I know, but if you don't have authority, you don't know you have authority and you don't know how to use it, it won't make a bit of difference. So, anyway. And so this lady was in a position where she couldn't help herself anymore. And Jesus set her free. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, you're loose from your iniquity, from your infirmity, rather, or your sickness. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And it goes down to here, verse 16, And not, not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham. Of course, the preacher of that group was mad at Jesus to do this. And he said, You're not right either the, to the preacher, you hypocrite, in verse 15. He says, ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, in other words, she's a covenant lady whom Satan hath bound. Satan's always the one that binds people. Lo, these 18 years, should she be loose from the, this bondage on the Sabbath day? And anyway, it's just wonderful. And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed. Good. And all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Thank you, Jesus. But the Lord began to visit me about this teaching uh, and he talked to me for, I don't know, 15 or 20 minutes one day about it, about the spirit of infirmity. He said, I know in this lady's case it was a, 
spinal problem. But he said, really, a spirit of infirmity can be in a person and bounce around in their body. Like one month you have sinus problems, then you have back problems, then you got bowel problems, then you got heart problems, then you got ear problems, then you got, and it just never ends. It's a tale of woe that never ends. I met people like that. I mean, they're always in crisis. <laughs> I've had a few crises in my life, but not a lot. I've had a lot of pressure put against me. But nonetheless, I don't have crisis every day. But he tend to share that. And so when I had opportunity, I would share that with people. If you're sick all the time and it don't seem to get resolved, maybe you need to deal with the spirit of infirmity that makes you weak in a given area. Or it bounces around in your body and you, you think, well, I've had this, this, and the other. Well, it could just been the same spirit manifesting differently in your body, taking advantage of you. And then I'd like to say, too, you need to get your mind back. If your mind is messed up from something, uh, you know, you could, you could be normal again. You can be delivered. You know, I'm just talking to you here. I was going to bring my deliverance notes, but I held off on that. But I put, get your mind back. You know, and if, and if you are depressed, I'll be glad to pray for you in just a minute. But I wanted to share that with you about the spirit of infirmity. Think about that spirit that keeps rolling around in somebody's being in their physical body and makes them sick of different issues. And you may just need to go to a doctor, too. I'm not putting that down either. I'm just saying, though, sometimes this spirit of infirmity can affect people in diverse ways, and they never seem to get normal or whole or made well. It's like Jesus said, we've got to put the axe to the root. Yeah. If there's, a, there's always a root to things. Amen. Nothing ever happens just kind of happenstance. Yeah. No, there's a reason why things happen. There's a cause. You know, the New Old Testament says the curse caused less would not come. There had to be a cause for it to come in your life because you've been redeemed from the curse. You got to know that you're redeemed, and you got to know what you're redeemed out of and what you've been redeemed into. I hope I'm making sense. This has been a special gift for me all these years, and that's just a few I can probably. I just laid down to take a nap. I couldn't sleep. I was so excited about seeing you tonight and talking to you. And he started going over these things. I wrote them down so I wouldn't forget them, and in sequence, kind of from 78 on. And we still have a lot of success with getting people delivered all over the planet when we, when we need to. I never ask anybody publicly what's wrong if they come for freedom. I just say, if you need freedom in your mind, I can pray for you. And then you discipline yourself to get back in the Word consistently, regularly, have a prayer life, and it ought to be expanding on you as you go. In other words, there ought to be more about your prayer life than just, you know, I prayed today. Well, that's fine, but... You know, there needs to be more involvement than just I prayed today. You know, Jesus said, my, my yoke is easy and my burden's light. He's created us to get over in light and easy if we just pay attention. Not everything being a crisis. And always remember, it's never on his side. It's on our side that we've dropped the ball or we did let some things slip or whatever. Got tired of saying what you should say you know, in your confessions. And it isn't just saying it, it's taking time to meditate on those things that helps it get down in you strongly. Hallelujah.